magic lies within the trails we ride. You're listening to the Journey On Podcast with Warwick Schiller. Warwick is a horseman, trainer, international clinician, and author whose mission is to help people achieve a deeper connection with their horses through his transformational training program. Just because he knows that you know. Hello and welcome back to the Journey On Podcast. This is Robin Schiller and I am taking over today for Warwick. I had an idea that maybe we should hear from some of the significant others of the podcast guests who have been on thus far. And the reason I thought about that is um, there's a lot of strong women behind the scenes and some of them aren't behind the scenes. Some of them are, you know, right alongside of their partners. So I thought it would be nice seeing that the demographics of our audience, at least on Facebook and YouTube, are mainly women between the ages of 30 and 65 I thought it might be nice to chat with um, some of the significant others, namely women, um, of the podcast guests. So, you know, people like uh, Pia Steers and Elizabeth James and Angie Field and um, Lisa King. So those those are a couple of the people who I've got on my list. And I put this idea out to our closed Facebook group. There's like, there's close to 40,000 people on that. And the reception was quite good. And they were, you were very interested in that. So I also asked, what would you want to know? Like, I have my own ideas, and I want them to answer the same questions that their significant others did um, of Warwick's 20 questions. But yeah, I just thought it would be nice to get to know the partners. And so, of course, when I put this idea out and everybody said, yes, 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 they said, but you have to be first. So I already did the the podcast where I answered the 20 questions, so we won't go over that. But I will answer the questions that people want to know and um, some of the ones that I am posing also. So You know, it's likely that I won't get to all of these with everyone that I talk to, but I'll answer them anyway. I'm pretty much an open book. So, um, you know, and like I said, the premise is that there are some strong women I know um, working alongside their husbands or behind the scenes. And I even thought recently of, of creating my own podcast. It might be five minutes a week. And I thought I could title it The Invisible Workload. So can you guys guess what that is? You know, we take on a lot of things that maybe we don't get credit for. You know, if we have a job, we get credit for the job that we do. But a lot of times there are these invisible workloads that can exhaust us and Frankly, I've been exhausted at times trying to handle so much. And um, so I thought it would be fun to do. I thought, well, maybe I could do one topic a week and just kind of, you know, play with it. And it's not about bashing anybody. It's just about, you know, sharing and knowing that you're not alone when you think about these things. And so I thought, well, I'll write down, um, I'll write down what I can think about. And maybe hopefully I'd have, you know, enough for for every one for every week. 
and I started writing and I stopped writing and I could, I mean, I could nearly do one a day <laughs> for a year. So here's just some of the things that um, I put, you know, our invisible workload. So it's kind of like those things that we don't know that we do, that we do because we have to do or nobody else will do them. And or maybe it's not something you do, but it's something that you carry. It's like a, not a burden, but you know, it's like a responsibility that you carry. So here's just a couple ideas. And I'm just, I'm just doing, I'm just throwing this out there because I can. <laughs> um, okay, so I got to um, bills, you know, paying bills, keeping track of birthdays for however many people you want to think about, whether it's our family only, both families, extended families, friends, you know, things like that. Um, holidays, you know, what are we going to do for the holidays? Who's planning the holidays? Vacations, who's planning the vacations? Who's going to take care of all those details to get ready to go on vacation? Um, for us, it's like the everyday schedule. Like I know what everybody's doing. And Warwick knows what Warwick's doing sometimes. So... <laughs> That's one. You know, we have to keep track of everyone's likes and dislikes. You know, that just rolls out to everything. So you don't write, you don't buy the wrong gift or buy the wrong food or, or buy the wrong clothes, things like that. You get the idea. There's a whole lot of invisible workload that we do. And I just want to say you guys are awesome for doing that. Um, and maybe I'll get into that with the guests and ask ask what what their feedback is on that if we have time. I don't want to, my goal is not to make it a two-hour podcast, probably more like an hour or so, or even less. Okay, so we'll start by getting them to introduce themselves and their background. You know, who were they before they became the significant other of whomever it is, um, you know, and what they do now. And so, you know, for me, I think I've introduced myself on that first podcast. But you know, I've been a horse crazy girl since I was before I could walk. My mom had me on the horse before I could walk. And when we were two, we moved to the country and had our own horses. So I started competing when I was five. You know, I had I had equitation lessons from that stereotypical equitation coach who yelled at you and screamed at you to put your shoulders back and keep your chin up and all of that stuff. Um, but I think I got a good, you know, I got a good foundation of riding. I think probably riding bareback around the, around the town was probably better for my uh, <laughs> riding abilities later on. Anyway, so um, I rode and competed in the kind of the open shows. That was back when the Cow Palace was a big thing. The Junior Grand National Cow Palace event was a huge deal. Back when I was 9 and 10, um, I showed there. And when you showed there, it was so big that whatever event it was, equitation or showmanship or trail, they had like the age divisions were like 9 and under. And then it went to whatever it was, equitation, riders age 10. And there were like 70 people, so they had to break those into groups. And then riders aged 11, riders aged 12. There were that many people showing. This is back in the late 70s. 
um, I guess I could back up and say, you know, I was born to, uh, you know, into a middle class family. I'm the third child of the family. I have an older brother and an older sister. My parents are both still alive. My dad's 82. My mom's 78. Um, my dad was a quality manager for a, an aerospace company for a long time and then switched to semiconductor equipment manufacturing. I've worked with him twice, so that's been really cool. Um, at the aerospace when I was about 18, I think, I, I worked with him a little bit. And then I worked with him at the semiconductor uh, equipment manufacturer for a while. Uh, my mom was a bus driver, those big yellow school buses. She was a, a bus driver on and off. Um, my sister has a business where she does uh, dock diving. They have a dog dock diving facility and she runs events and keeps busy with 12 of her own dogs. I think that's the number now. It changes every now and then. And my brother, he was the middle child. Um, he was the perfect child. He has a double degree. He has a, a bachelor's in electrical engineering and in sociology. So he, he actually spent time in Australia for a year doing an abroad study, which was kind of cool. He worked for the uh, Sydney Opera House driving a truck. That <laughs> was pretty cool. Um, but he, he's the senior vice president of operations for a, a big, or he might even be, he might even be a CEO now. I, I'm not sure. Um, or COO for a laser company. Um, lasers as in um i think it's more like towards the driving the vehicles so yeah he yeah he's he's done really well for himself and he lives close my sister lives close my parents live close we live in my in, in my hometown where i went to high school um so back to me i rode horses like i said until i went to high school and then i my my horse was older and actually had to be put down while we were in high school while I was in high school, and my mom was breeding horses at the time. Not great horses, <laughs> you know, okay horses. And after high school, I got back into them, and I actually started a horse <laughs> that we had raised. And it's only looking back now, it's that we had such a good connection that I wasn't seriously hurt or killed when I did, because we did everything wrong. You know, mom had the short, you know, uh, lead rope on when I got on the first time and oh yeah I could have been such a wreck but that horse I feel sorry for that horse because she probably could have been a really nice horse but I just didn't know enough and she was always anxious um, and I didn't know enough then to fix you know to help her the year that I met Warwick um, in 1991 my parents had bought me a really nice um, western pleasure horse and I was just finishing up, I had just finished up a two-year college degree in business. And I had tried to go to a four-year college and I came home after a week. I couldn't, I didn't want to be away. So my parents bought me this horse and we decided to go big. And I wanted to qualify for the American Quarter Horse Association World Championship show. And so in 1991, that's what we were doing. We were going to the horse shows and we were um, trying to get qualified. You had to earn enough points to make it um, 
to get selected for for the world championships and we kept going to the horse shows and pretty soon I saw this fellow that I told my friend I'm going to marry him I'm going and we thought his name was Work cuz that's how people pronounced it it was Work and um I saw him for the first time at Reedley California um it was on Easter and I did say that to my friend, I'm going to marry him. Um, we did meet, not like introduced, but we were hanging around in, in a group together where he was wearing um, Easter uh, bunny ears, like fake Easter bunny ears. And he had a carrot in his hand, and I think he was telling lewd jokes with them. He does not remember this. Um, he remembers meeting me the weekend after that about 10 hours away, we went to a different show. And he was working for Don Murphy at the time. So he was going to the shows. And um, yeah, so my friend hollered out, my friend wants to date you. And while he was lunging a horse and um, or while we were lunging a horse, I forget. And so that started us talking. And um, so that was like in April of 1991. Um, And so we kept seeing each other at the horse shows, I think we probably started calling each other. That was before cell phones and email and internet and Facebook and all the dating apps and all that stuff. It was pretty old school. I think my phone at my house did, you could walk around with it at that point. It wasn't just connected to the wall. I don't think Warwick's was. I think Warwick had to either go to the barn or I don't think he had a a phone in his house where he was living. So we chatted. It didn't get real serious because I was going through some, I had gone through a bad breakup and I had some baggage from that breakup, um, body image baggage, and I was trying to sort that out. And so I really wasn't ready for a relationship. Plus I had just gotten out of a different relationship. And so I just, I wasn't quite ready, even though I said I would marry him. Um, And he was going back to Australia, I believe it was August. And so right before he went back, he came to spend a week at our house. And um, he told me he loved me. And I don't believe that I said it back. And I think he was ready to give up. He was going home. He wasn't planning to come back. And my mom told him, don't give up. Just stay in there. Hang in there. You'll get her. And um, he left and went back to Australia And I subsequently moved out onto my own with a girlfriend. I was working at the time for a lawyer, so I was a secretary. I loved typing. That was before computers, so I um, was old school then, too, with typewriters. So I thought I wanted to be a legal secretary and um, moved out on my own and, you know, kind of reevaluate reevaluated what I wanted in my life. And in the meantime, Warwick and I had been called, you know, he'd call me occasionally because it was Australian. It was expensive then. But we'd write long letters and we got to know each other really well through the letters. And, you know, I guess you could say we fell in love over the letters. And um, I figured out that I really wanted, you know, the horses to be something in my life. And what better way than to marry a horse trainer? So I asked him to come back. And when he, the minute he came back, we were officially a couple. And I think it was later on that year, we got engaged. So that was the end of 92. He came back in 92. And then 
by the end of 93, we went to visit Australia. And then the beginning of 94, we got married. So in that 92, 93, I was living in Hollister, and he lived about 100 miles away. And I was working for, for a lawyer. And so I would go up and see him on the weekends. That was really the only, we were kind of a long distance thing. Of course, we would chat every night, but um, on our old school phones. But yeah, we definitely, it was a long distance thing. The first time we had really spent a long time together was we went to Australia for six weeks before we got married. Um, and that was the most time we had, we had spent together. Then we got married and we moved and we got new jobs all at the same time. So we had, <laughs> we had three big life changes all at once. Oh, four, because his mom and dad and auntie stayed with us for three weeks after the wedding in a small one-bedroom um, trailer. So that was fun. Um, anyway, um, I had gotten a job in human resources. It was my first human resources job. I was at a law firm. I originally went in there thinking I would be able to transfer over to legal secretary. But I liked the HR work. And so um, when we had to leave that, when Warwick had to leave that place, we moved back to Hollister. And I got a job with my dad at, the, at my dad's the company he was at. And I was also, I started as a receptionist, but then they moved me into HR and I kind of progressed through there. And I did that a couple more times, you know, I would, I would get a job and then I would get promoted. And finally I ended up being the HR manager for a national window company for our location. Um, and then I took some time off to spend with Tyler, who I had had in the meantime. So, you know, I was a working mom, Warwick, had he had started his own business, so he was self-employed horse trainer, making about two cents an hour, and um, so I was lucky that I had a job that had benefits and a steady income, and but that also meant once I had Tyler, I had to go back. So um, luckily, we had a really wonderful woman who watched him and gave him lots of love and affection and attention, and I don't think it it was detrimental to him seeing the the person that he's grown up to be. But anyway, after the HR manager, I took some time off to spend with Tyler. And uh, then we went to work for these wealthy people over on the coast. And then they decided they didn't need us. And so we decided to move to Australia. So we did that for four years. Um, and that's where Warwick really got started with the, like, he was the MC for the Way of the Horse at Equitana, and that kind of opened the doors to some clinics. So when we moved back in 2010, I kind of told him I was homesick and I needed to go home. And this was the third time I had told him. And the first two times he said, well, we're here. You're going to have to just, you know, figure it out. And the third time I said, no. I'm leaving. I need to go home. And I got my previous job back. I actually left them there for seven months while while Tyler finished school for that year. And they and and Warwick was in charge of everything. And he had to sell the horses and sell the property. And um, yeah, I left it all up to him. I came home, got a job so that when they came back, I mean, this is one of the reasons I came home early. Um, you know, I could have enough credit to we could buy a house once they got back over. 
Um, we talked every night. We saw I saw them once because they came over for the World Equestrian Games in 2010. Um, Tyler stayed for a little bit longer. And then they moved back in December. So it was May to December that we were, uh, we were apart. And then once... Once he got back, I kind of said, well, you know, I'm doing this HR stuff and, you know, good luck with your stuff. I've got to concentrate on this and you can concentrate on your stuff. So, you know, you can do the billing. You can figure that stuff out. I'll show you how to work Excel. I'll set up a template for you for billing and, and what have you. But I didn't keep his schedule. I didn't do anything. And... um that's when he got the YouTube idea and he started making YouTube videos. And then as we all kind of know how that snowballed, I was working at a, I was a director of HR for a manufacturing company and his business kept growing and the subscribers kept growing and the numbers kept growing. And finally, and we were traveling and, you know, it was hard to get time off of work if I wanted to go where, you know, to some of these clinics and so I went from five days a week to four days a week to three days a week to finally I replaced myself <laughs> at that job and went to work for Warwick. And so, you know, that gave us the flexibility. We still lived in town and he still worked at Gilroy Gates for the first couple, uh, for the first year that I had. So that was 2014. In 2015, he stopped training for the public because he was traveling so much and could just do the clinics. And then um, in the end of 2015, we bought our current property, which is six acres. Again, another invisible workload item, um, getting that bought was all me. And it was stressful because it was a big step up for us. You know, we had never thought we would own something like this in our town. You know, we're at the end of, we're at the bottom end of Silicon Valley, so and it's California and it's not cheap. So, you know, it was a big step up for us and it was scary and it was the best thing we ever did. One of the best things we ever did. Um, Cause now we just love it here. We had been looking for a bigger place, but you know, if something comes along in Hollister, we'll probably entertain it. But, you know, we kind of got things where we, where we like them now. It's a little small for clinics, but yeah, we're managing. Um, so that brings us to COVID, which, you know, that stopped the travel that put him home all the time. Uh, so we really got to know each other again and it wasn't easy. It hasn't been easy the last 18 months. Um, you know, there's some raw spots and there's some old wounds and there's some, you know, stuff we had to confront that when you, you know, when you either work outside of the home like I did all the time and come home at night and then, you know, you have the weekends. Um, or then when he started, when I started working for him, he was gone half of the month. You know, you just don't have the time to confront those things. You can kind of set it aside and not address it. But when you're home with each other all the time, it comes up. So luckily we've had a great support system. Um, and he's been on this self, you know, self-discovery and self-improvement thing for the last four years anyway. So, you know, he was already getting therapy. I figured I better start again. And then we found this really nice woman who it kind of worked out well to meet with both of us. Um, and we've just met some incredible people, you know, 
through what we're doing. And so we've experimented around with some other things that have really helped. So I think we're through the worst of it. Um, yeah, I think, I think it, it was hard and I think it'll make us stronger in, in the future. So, okay, boy, that's an introduce and get your background. I don't know how many minutes that was, but thanks for hanging in there. All right. I think I've already asked, I've already answered some of these other questions, so that's good too. So how did you meet? What was your first impression when you found out what your significant other did for a living? Who approached who? And what were your first thoughts? So I've already kind of gone over that, gone over the love story that I played hard to get. He stuck in there and then he moved back here and the rest is history. Um, Do you have kids or a blended family? And are your parenting styles different or the same? So we have one child, Tyler. He's now 24. He lives in Hawaii. So he graduated. He went to school. He went to UC Irvine. And he thought he wanted to be a doctor. I think because he wanted to drive nice cars and make a lot of money. And the first year at UC Irvine, he figured out that chemistry was really hard. And he probably wasn't going to make it doing that. So he decided he was going to, well, with some help from me deciding to do business because it's pretty open-ended and you can pretty much do, you know, whatever you want. And in the meantime, you know, he's seen his dad become this entrepreneur and see him work for himself and build this thing. And I think it very, it interested Tyler to be able to do that for himself. So that meant he had to change schools. So he transferred to the University of San Diego and he graduated in 2015 and came to work for us, which was a good plan. And then he, so that was 2019, he moved home and went to work for us and it was all going swimmingly well and then COVID hit and his best friend moved to Hawaii to be in the Coast Guard and so he decided, well, I'm going to just go to Hawaii and live with Robbie and I can still work for you from there and that was great. Um... And then he got involved with this climbing gym that was built, getting built. And so now he is working for them. He works for us still, but not doing as much. So that, you know, one of the questions is what, you know, what is your role in the business? And so my role has changed over the years. So from the beginning, when I first, when Warwick first started, I didn't do anything. And then I stepped in a little bit more and did some of the, you know, clinic organizing, and mostly it was liaising with the people in the countries or, you know, the locations where we were having clinics, because those clinics have morphed over the years as well. Um, Now, and then, you know, then it went to doing and doing, you know, like bookkeeping and all that to where, you know, I have our team right now is, you know, works, the talent, if you want to say that, you know, I'm kind of the everything else in the background, except for, you know, I don't do the website. We have a great web team and the app. They help us um, every whenever we need it. And I do some of the updates. I, we do all of our own, like uploading videos. Warwick does all the editing of videos. Um, Tyler does all the podcast editing now. And he does most of the marketing Um, I'm going to be getting a little bit of that back. So, you know, it's kind of morphed into I had a lot of responsibility. Then Tyler came, took some of that off, and now it's going to expand again. Um, And also when 
I think in 2019, when we were really going, going, going about the clinics, we changed it to be, you know, all, I, I do most of the, most everything for the clinics. I, in some places I have somebody on the, you know, feet on the ground, but for the most part, all the registrations and everything come through me. So I organize that. So that's a, when it's full on, it's a big job. And the travel arranging, that's my love. I love doing that. I don't love getting on a plane and going somewhere. I love when I'm there. But um, the, the actual physical plane ride, I don't really love. But I love doing the, the organizing and then seeing it come to fruition. So that's really fun for me. I really, that's my favorite part of my job is organizing the travel. All right. So that's how I'm involved in the business. And I've done a little bit of, you know, sharing of myself and I did the human factor course on the way, you know, on the subscription after learning some, you know, anxiety stuff and some nervous system stuff. I've, I've put together some helpful um, things for people, for the person of the horse, you know, with the horse to do and to think about before they go out with their horses. And I'm stepping into, you know, doing this podcast I am also stepping into, we're, we're organizing a podcast guest summit for next year. So it's going to be like a bigger clinic and that's going to be huge. So that we may even hire somebody else to help with that. Um, so yeah, I'm stepping, stepping in a little bit more. Um, okay. Where did I go? That was Tyler. So are your parenting styles different or the same? Different. Warwick's the horse trainer, and thank God that he, you know, he raised Tyler with those principles, because I was, you know, boundaries are not easy for me, and I tend to stuff stuff down until it just, I can't hold it anymore, and I blow. I'm getting better at that, but that's, you know, probably that was my style. I mean, I'm also an empathetic and, you know, understanding mom. And Tyler talked to me about everything. He didn't hold anything back. So I feel like I did something right. Like he always comes to me. He can talk about, you know, embarrassing things and, and things like that. So I know that, you know, we're very close. So I think, I think whatever parenting style I had, I think what, whatever we did worked. So, um, Warwick was more of the disciplinarian, I was the one, like I said, I'd let him push my boundaries until I was mad and then I would not do the right thing. <laughs> anyway, um, how did having kids change our dynamic? Uh, for us, it only really enhanced our dynamic, really. Work was an excellent father. Um, yeah, so it was, I mean, it was chaotic because I was working full time for a lot of it. Um, but I, I think it was a good mix, you know, I think probably there were times when I would hope that I'd get more support, but for the most part, I think when I look at other couples and I see how they juggle, I'm super grateful for how work did with, you know, with the sharing of that. How did kids leaving the nest change our relationship? Um, that's an interesting one because, you know, when your kids leave, I mean, you should be super proud. It's like this bittersweet moment where you should be so proud because they are going out on their own 
and yet you miss them like crazy. I, you know, Tyler gets me and Tyler, he's like a, one of my best friends. So, you know, it was like losing a piece of that, you know, friendship. So it was hard. I think at the same time he left, we also moved into this place. And so we had never had the horse, well, we had not had the horses home since Australia. So, you know, I did get to mother my animals. So I guess that did take a little bit of that pressure off, but, but it was hard. And you realize that, you know, you better like each other because when they're all gone, when it's just you and your significant other, you know, it's kind of like you have to recalibrate. And then if you have COVID, you have to recalibrate again. (laughs) And then if your kids move back, you have to recalibrate again. And then they move out again. And then you recalibrate again. So it's just this continuing recalibration. Um, all right. So what's, what is your biggest strength? My biggest strength is probably my ability to just get stuff done and be organized. So I'm the organizer and executor. Um, Warwick's biggest strength is really to put things in a way that people can understand, like education, I guess, educating people. Um, I would say. And so I think we complement each other because, you know, I can organize him to do that and then he can go do that. He, he, he's not afraid to say that he just shows up and does his thing. You know, he just goes where he's told and does his thing. He doesn't concern himself with how it gets to that point. He just takes it from there. So that's kind of how that works. What type of things do you do together, as in like hobbies and things like that? I mean, while we work together, we ride horses together. Um, He still goes to the shows with me, although that's, I'm not sure how much longer I'm going to be doing that. Um, And hobbies, really, if you'd asked me before this year, I would have laughed and just said, we ride horses, like that's what we do. But a couple things have changed. Um, we've got an employee now, so we have somebody who does a lot of the chores around here. So that's freed up a lot of time. And we've just decided that we need to like do some stuff. So I bought some paddle boards. So we've started doing that. We started playing cards and we looked up like, you know, what are the best card games for two people? And we learned how to play gin rummy. we had always played a game called Kings in the Corner, but We learned Gin Remy and then another one I can't remember because then we decided we would play chess and neither of us knew how to play chess and we both are really not that good at it, but we're learning together and um, we just kind of, we started watching videos and then we're like, no, 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 let's just play, like let's just play chess. So we do that now. So we have kind of a nightly ritual where we we play chess every night. Um, Yeah, we like to read. We both like to read. He listens to a lot more books than I do, but um, I like to read novels. So I will read, you know, Danielle Steele, Nicholas Sparks. So I used to be into the mysteries, like the political mysteries, but I don't know. I'm not into it so much anymore. Okay. Who is your support system? So our support system... um, I mean, obviously my family, because we live close to them, but they're also getting older. So, you know, we have to kind of be their support system as well. 
My sister's a big support system for me. Um, my sister-in-law is a big support system. She got me into Kundalini yoga, and I can't thank her enough. That was one of I one of the greatest things that came out of COVID was learning Kundalini yoga. I love it, and um, so she introduced me to that. Um, I am. We're both really lucky to have so many friends around the around the countries around the world that we can call whenever. And you know, Jane Pike comes to mind and I'll never forget meeting Jane for the first time at Equidays in gosh it's been six five or six years now um she was fangirling all over Warwick it was it was kind of the first time anybody had fangirled and so she's just so genuine it was just so beautiful um you can't help but love Jane so I know I can call her anytime I want and we stay in touch um it's Kathy Price now, more recently, Carrie Lake. Um, yeah, we just have some really great people. And then I have some girlfriends from, you know, from high school even that I still, um, that we're still in contact. We still go on girls trips. We're actually going to Kauai um, in November. My brother has a house there, so we get to go there whenever we want to, which is so awesome. Um, so, yeah, and, you know, when we were, when Warwick was training for the public, we had a really good group of customers. Like they were our support system. They were awesome. They were the best group of people. And we always thought, gosh, how are we ever going to duplicate this? But then we've, you know, gone global and it's like it just expanded it even more. It's really, really awesome. Okay. Who wears the pants? I would say I do. Um, because I'm more of the control freak, works more of the easygoing, just go with the flow, kind of like I explained earlier. He just goes where he's told to go, and I'm really glad for that. There are times I'd like it to be reversed, but yeah, it works for us. How do you view your roles to be in the relationship? Well, I think, yeah, we've already told, already said that. I mean, works the horse expert, so... I defer to him. I don't always agree with him and I don't always listen to him, but I think that's because it's hard to take advice. Uh, it's like, say you're in a lesson and just pretend that you're taking a lesson from your significant other. It's hard. You know, most of the time you don't hear what you're doing right. You hear what you need to fix. And that's hard coming from the person that you love most in the world. So, you know, that's been a, it's been something the whole time with us. It's been hard. You know, finally, I think we're at a place where I can just say, eh, I'm going to try this on my own, or I am getting better about voicing where my boundaries are. Um, yeah, it's not always pretty at the moment, but I've learned the real value of take two, so if I mess it up the first time, I can always come back later and go, look, I messed that up. Can I have a do-over? Can I take two? Can I try again? And so I, that's worked really well for us. I don't know where I was introduced to that concept, but that works really well. So if you, you know, say you're having an argument and it doesn't, you know, or you bring something up that you've been wanting to bring up, or you're, you're wanting to put a boundary in place, and it doesn't come out the way that you really wanting it to, and maybe it causes more of a problem. You can, you know, after you've walked away and thought about it and hashed it over, you can come back and say, look, that did not go the way I wanted it to. 
can we do it again? And usually that works really well, at least for us it does. Uh, do you ever feel stuck with a particular job that you absolutely don't like doing? No, I think we're pretty good at, he does what he's good at and loves and I do what I'm good at and love. Um, we share the domestic stuff, like he loves to cook, so I let him cook. Um, I do love when he says in the morning, though, when he's eating his breakfast, what's for dinner? I'm like, I don't know what's for dinner. You're eating breakfast. I haven't thought about dinner yet. So if I, you know, if we won the lottery, <laughs> this might be a question I could ask people. If you won the lottery, like, what would you get? What would you have somebody do for you? And for me, I would have somebody cook for me. That would be good. I would love that. I've already got a person who cleans my house, which is, oh, that's so awesome. I would, I'm like my mother. I don't really want to be cleaning my house all day. So I get that from my mom. Um, okay, how do you make sure that you're not forgotten or taken for granted? Things get pretty hectic, especially when growing a business, building a career. What have you put in place and found that works to maintain the balance? Wow. Well, you know, I mean, for us, for most of it, I our jobs were totally different because I had the outside of the house job. He had the horse training job. And so until I went to work for him, I guess, you know what, the biggest help for me is we had been having, haven't for a while, um, morning meetings. I mean, we sit down and drink coffee every morning. We do do that. So I guess we do still have our morning meetings. So so that for me, I need that touch point in the morning to know what my day looks like because so much of what I do revolves around what he's doing. And so if I don't get that in the morning, the first time, first, first, you know, part of the day, I kind of can feel like I don't know what I'm doing all day and I'm just waiting around and that can breed resentment for sure. But having this meeting in the morning and clarifying what's happening for that day has really helped me. You know, it's like a staff meeting. When Tyler was here, we would have staff meetings. So that's been really, really helpful. How often do you review the list of jobs and check in with each other's happiness? I mean, because we're talking every morning, I guess you could say every morning. What got you through the rough patches? Well, this, like I said, besides our first year of marriage, I think this last year, this last year and a half has been the hardest. And I just think, you know, COVID has not helped and him not traveling has not helped. And I guess it just brought some stuff that we probably should have handled earlier, you know, up to the surface. And I think, like I said earlier, we're through the worst of it now. And I guess so I would say get help. Don't try to do it yourself. And um, at the end of the day, it's probably about you. So you have to work on yourself. Um, you know, as hard as that is to hear, you're resp the only one who's responsible for you is you. So, you know, you have to work on yourself. And that's not easy all the time. You have to look in the mirror really hard. And sometimes you don't like what you see. And um, yeah, if you have the right support, I guess you could, um, you'll, you'll make it through. Okay. Did you have to put your lives, dreams, goals on hold while their partner built theirs? Uh, not really. 
If yes, did they have a plan after a certain time or milestone it would be their turn? No, because we didn't really, yeah. Um, did your goals, dreams, desired career choices change when helping build their partners? Well, yes, because I started working for him. So yeah, it did. And I haven't mentioned this, but managing Warwick is the hardest job I've ever had <laughs> uh, for many reasons. God love him. Uh, how do you talk about money? Is it easy or hard? And was it always this way? Uh, yes, it's always been easy for us. Thank God we blended our money right away um, throughout the years. I think there's been some years that Warwick did the like budgeting and paid the bills, but not many like I do all of that. He doesn't even, I don't think he even knows any of the bank passwords or, you know, I don't, I, yeah. So, but money is, has never, he's always been the saver. I've always been the spender. Not extravagant, but I do buy horses every now and then. Um, that's my extravagance. But money's not not been hard. Thank God. My um, my sister and her husband. It's always been separate, and it's always been an issue. And they've been married the same amount of years as us. But it's always been super difficult for them, or for her anyway. Probably not for him, but for her. And so I can see where that can be a problem. And I can see where that would be a problem if one of you is horsey and one of you isn't and your money is going towards the horses. So, yeah, I can. I don't have any advice. Maybe somebody that I talk to will. <laughs> All right. How has both of your horse journeys changed? Oh, wait, I missed one. How do you support each other's growth and development? Uh, well, you know, so let me go to this. In 2017, when Warwick said, you know, I've had this spiritual awakening or whatever it was, you know, and this is the path I'm going down now. I can see where when something like that happens with one part of a with one person of the couple, if the other couple isn't on board, I can see where you hear the oh, we just grew apart, or we just went different directions, or, you know, it just didn't work out. We mostly grew apart, I guess. Um, I guess for me, I saw it that he, and I don't want this to come out wrong, but I, I felt like his change was coming more towards me than away from me. And so towards my, kind of towards my way, I guess. And so it hasn't been super easy because he's, you know, he's experimenting quite heavily with a lot of things and a lot of different modalities. And, um, but I'm glad. At least he's searching. At least he wants to get, you know, he wants things to change. So I think it would have been worse if, he, you know, you realize that there's things to change and then you don't. So, yeah. So I support what he does. He doesn't push me to do any of the stuff he's doing, like the psychedelic stuff. I'd, I'm not interested in that, at least at this point. And he doesn't push me. So that's good. Um, yeah. All right. How has both of your horse journeys changed since you were married? Where do you hope that it goes? In other words, what are your goals for your significant other? Well, our horse journeys changed. It's kind of right, like I said, right? Like on this precipice of changing for me. You know, I've been a competitor my whole life. I think I always cared about the horses. Um, 
I want to feel like I put them first. I know that probably isn't true because of, you know, the kind of shows that we did. And, and with the raining, I'm really feeling low about that right now, probably because of the last show. You know, I saw some things that I don't ever want to see somebody doing to a horse. And it was at a show in public. And these are the best supposed, you know, top of the heap people. And I'm not interested in that. If my horse doesn't want to do it, you know, I, I, I don't mind reminding them what their job is, but I don't want to have to do what a lot of people are doing to make them perform. So, you know, Oscar's awesome. He's easy. I get to remind him a little bit and he's like, okay. And then when I go in the arena, he'll either do it or not. And I don't really have much control over it once I'm in the arena. I'm getting better about that, but you know, he's been shown so much. He kind of knows the the drill. Ray, you know, we've had to change a lot of stuff about Ray, not only mentally, but physically. He was, you know, works changed a lot about him. And he's super talented. Um, but yeah, I'm just not sure about the raining anymore. I'm, we may go try some new stuff. And honestly, you know, when we went in March to Arizona, we went for three weeks. We went to a show, then we went in Trail Road in the desert, and then we went to a show. And I had just as much fun in the desert. I could have gone home after the desert. Like I had that much fun with the horses and hanging out and doing what we were doing. So, you know, we may do some more of that. And um, yeah. And where do you hope it goes? I just hope it keeps going in the direction it's going. You know, I, I don't know what that looks like. It just follow our authenticity and follow our hearts. And we'll see where that goes. Um, what is the hardest thing about being married to your spouse with regard to their vocation? What is the best thing? Um, well, the hardest thing for me is to take the advice from him, you know, unsolicited advice, maybe I'll say, <laughs> you know, I feel great that I can ask him when I have an issue and I need to, I think I've grown as a horse person to where like in 2016, he was traveling all the time and I was showing two horses and I was preparing them and I did pretty well that year. So I think I got, you know, I got a lot of good, um, experience. And with Oscar, I've done all pretty much all the work with Oscar. He's ridden them maybe 10 times. So, and what I mean that, I mean, Oscar was fully trained, but there were things that we changed about him and I did all of that. So I've learned a lot and I think it's the unsolicited, you know, help that when I, when I feel pretty confident and I think I know what I'm doing and I'm getting them ready and then he steps in, um, that gets a little sticky. Um, the best thing um, is that he's helping so many people and that's awesome. You know, the best thing is that he is living his passion and his, it's a, you know, it's like a Dharma thing. He's, he's living it. He's doing everything that he loves and he's good at, and he makes money at it. It's like all those circles, you know, it's that place where all the circles match. He's right in that He's right there. So that's what the best thing is. Um, how do we cope with how much time their other half gives to so many? Another question was, um, how is social media? 
And I won't say that I have never thought, God, I wish he would get off of Facebook um, because I have and because, you know, it's hard to compete with that. And I, yeah, so it has hurt my feelings that, you know, there's times when I'd like him to pay that much attention to me. But I also understand that he is, you know, he's trying to figure a balance out. And I think he's got a good one right now. Like right now, he's not on Facebook much at all. So I think he's happier. Um, yeah, and there's more time, you know, for him to spend on the things like the subscription and, you know, YouTube and things like that where, where, where he can. Um, yeah. With social media, you know, at the beginning, it was really hard for both of us. We took a lot of things personally. We didn't know where there was the, the delete button was on YouTube. And it seems like finally after that, things got a lot easier. And honestly, in the last four years, since he's really like the vibe has changed, I think that's just crossed over into everything. He's not as confrontational. He doesn't. Yeah. He used to have to give his two cents to everything. I don't feel like he has to do that anymore. So, yeah, it's changed a lot. The vibe has changed. It's a lot It's a lot more king energy versus prince energy, if you've heard him talk about that. Um, what is the most important lesson you've learned from your significant other? What is the most important lesson you've taught your significant other? And what do you wish they would learn from you? Well, the easier one to answer is what's the most important lesson I've taught him. And I think it's that um, it's what we call me uh, a radar. It, you know, I can, and then from what I understand now, it's all about energy and intuition. And I have always been good at that. Like in HR, that did me a very good service because interviewing people was easy because I, I could just feel a person and know whether they were right or not. Um, feel their energy and feel, yeah, just my intuition was really strong. And I think over the years, I've taught him that part. And I've also, you know, I think the HR stuff has worn off on him. He would come home and say, I said this and this. And I'm like, well, next time, maybe you should put it this way and, you know, give him those tips. And pretty soon, you know, 20 years in, I'm like, wow, he's really made a lot of you know, the humans used to be really hard for Warwick, and now the humans are easier for Warwick than they are for me. So it's kind of like we've switched places. Um, what I wish he would learn from me are some more time management skills. That would be awesome. He's getting better, but he's actually got his own calendar now, which is awesome. What is the most important lesson you've learned from your significant other? I guess that would have to be like, follow your passion and... He's always been good about that and it's worked out. So, you know, him following what he loves and what he thinks people need to hear at the time, he's pretty darn good at that. So he's taught me, you know, that you should follow your passion. Okay. Do you take instruction from your significant other or vice versa? Okay. So we've already talked about that. I don't need to beat that horse. Um, are there times when you had your significant, you had to hand your horse over to your significant others to have them prep for a horse show or help you choose a horse to buy? 
that you think maybe you should or could be doing it yourself? Well, so, I mean, I think we're pretty good at it now. I used to have him get my horses ready and I'd get on and go show. Um, but I think I've gotten better at doing that. So I would say, um, not anymore. Um, he does like, I think Ray is his horse. Ray is not my horse. He's really done all of the, the riding with him. And I did a little bit of groundwork and I've ridden him a handful of times, but I think Ray is his horse. So yeah, that's just an aside, I guess. Um, I think I've answered that one. What are some lessons you've learned through your horsey significant other that you've been able to apply in non-horsey situations? Um, probably more patience than I would have normally had. You know, he's got a lot of patience. Um, how have you helped your significant other on their journey? I think just being supportive of him and what he, what path he's deciding to go down. How has your significant other's journey affected your personal journey? Well, it's sent me down some rabbit holes. I'm not sure all of them are great. Um, I'm still trying to figure out some of them. So it did lead me to Kundalini Yoga, which I really love. So that part's good. Meditation, you know, there's some meditations that I like and that work well for me. So yeah, I mean, it's just opened up a lot of different ideas and concepts and rabbit holes. And so I'm going down some of them. Uh, what happens when you disagree with your significant other on horsemanship or vocational related matter? Do you resolve? How do you resolve or deal with it? Um, again, sometimes it's messy and sometimes I have to do the take two, but I used to not deal with it. I used to just suck it up and go on with it. But now I am more um, likely to say something. So again, it doesn't always come out great, but I do my take twos later and that's better. How steep was your learning curve? And did you really understand what you were getting yourself into when you signed up for this journey? Absolutely not. I did not have any idea. I thought we were just going to be I thought I was going to work my whole life and he outside of his business and he would do the horses and we would show and that would be our life. And it's just not. And it's this, the learning curve is steep, but it's awesome. And where we're headed is awesome. So it's been a wonderful thing. Not, not to the opposite. Someone asked, I'd like to hear about the significant other's passions and their journey, whether it's related to horses or not, whether it's intertwined with the original podcast guest, their partner, and where, where it has been different. Well, I guess my passion's always been, you know, showing horses. So I'm not sure that that's, you know, it, horses will, it's morphing into, I'm not sure that's what what it really is anymore. Um, but yeah, you know, it's funny. I've been asked to be a podcast guest on a podcast on midlife. And that's kind of where I am right now. I'm in a good place, but I have all these options and I'm not sure what, yeah, I'm just not sure what I want to do. I'm not sure what my passion is. I'm kind of at that crossroads, I guess, that midlife crossroads. Um, you know, I know it will have something to do with horses. 
and I I love doing what I'm doing with the business. So, you know, like Carrie Lake says, what if what if you already are doing what you're supposed to be doing? <laughs> so that's something to contemplate. So that's again a little bit deeper than, you know, what's what the question was, but yeah, kind of at a at a crossroads and exploring my options. How they got to be where they are and how they feel they are making a difference in the world. Well, I think I'm making a difference in the world by helping Warwick be more accessible to more people. So at this point, that's, I think that, and setting an example and sharing my stories and my anxiety stories. Um, there's more to share after this last year. So yeah, I'll be doing that. Um, anyway, what do you think your significant other's calling is? It's to educate. Yeah, it's to educate, basically. All right, specific to couples that both compete. How do you decide which horse to buy and compete on? And are you ever at odds on how to pick them? I've pretty much done all the picking. At least I'll speak from the time we got back from Australia to now. He bought Albert, but I've bought all the other ones. So, yeah. Some of them worked out. Some of them haven't. Uh, for the most part, they've worked out because I've got a pasture full of horses that aren't going anywhere. Um, all right. I think that's where I'll end with, with our guests and I'll ask, well, I'll ask them the same questions that their, that their partner, uh, answered as well. So we can just kind of have fun with that and I'll make sure I'm prepared and know what their partner said. So we can, we can maybe talk about that a little bit. There were some very specific to Warwick and I questions. So I'll just answer those and then we'll wrap this up. So <clears throat> it asked how you met and you, I, I went over that. What challenges you went through when you were first married? Well, like I said, new job, new marriage, new house and family living with us for three weeks. So that was the first part. <laughs> it was just a big adjustment. You know, I'd never lived with somebody else besides my family and my one friend, but you know, Warwick was very much more educated in those things because he had lived on his own before. He'd actually lived with somebody, a, a woman before, and, you know, I hadn't. So so it was a big adjustment, but, but it was fine. I think there was a big relief when we came back to Hollister because we had the support system right close. So that was really good. So what principles did you use raising Tyler? Like I said, I think Warwick used, you know, they need to know the answer before you ask the question, or, you know, at least they need to um, understand that there will be follow-up if you ask them to do something and they don't do it, there will be, you know, a consequence for it, and then you have to follow up. So he was good about saying, you need to do this, and if you don't, this is what's going to happen, and then that actually did happen. And so Tyler understood, you know, that and I think we did some of the, you know, w options, you know, there were options. He didn't, he had to, he had, he got to make choices. So, and I was always raised where my parents never told me what to do. They just kind of outlined, well, if you did this, this could happen. And then if you did that, this could happen. And I'd like to think that we did that with, with Tyler as well. Um, 
Would you do anything different if you could do it again? That's kind of a funny question because he's turned out so awesome. So, I mean, I obviously, if I knew then what I know now, it would be totally different. But then what, but then how would he turn out? He's turned out really awesome. So I, I'm very happy with where he, with how it went, I guess, you know, you don't realize it at the time, but he is my biggest accomplishment or our biggest accomplishment is that boy. He is a fabulous human being. What is your biggest weakness in your relationship together and individually? I think both of us are not good at boundaries and not good at speaking up. Um, so that's, I think it's both and it's the same. <laughs> what is your greatest strengths together and as an individual? I think we've already answered that. Are there any mental health history in your family personally? I think there is some on the Schiller side. I think somebody's mentioned the Schiller depression. So I do think there is some. My dad uh, suffered anxiety. So he, he was in those days when you took a tranquilizer. Um, but yeah, and smoke a cigarette. So, you know, yes, there is on both sides, I guess. Whose family are you closest to relationship-wise and why? Well, ours, mine, because we're geographically closer. We've been here longer. Um, we have a fine relationship with Warwick's family. He talks to them weekly. Um, one of the other questions I need to add is what are you most proud of your significant other for? And this may just sound really weird to you guys, but it has to do with his father because, you know, I think he's alluded to, he was, you know, kind of raised in the, you know, don't cry or I'll give you something to cry about. And there wasn't a lot of warm, embracing, you know, love, flowing, you know what I mean? It was more, it's more straightforward. You know they love you, but it's not, it's almost like, you know we love you. We don't need to say it. Um, and my family's different than that. I mean, we're not all gushy, 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 but we always say I love you. Um, you know, we get together, for, we're used to get together for birthdays and, you know, holidays. And we hug goodbye and... I don't think that that happened so much with Warwick. And so what I'm most proud of him for is that just recently I've noticed when the phone either gets hung up from his parents or gets transferred from his dad to his mom, Warwick ends up saying, I love you too, which means his dad is actually saying, I love you first. And I... I am, that just makes me so happy that, you know, that you can change somebody, that you can open somebody up enough that he f does that now. Now, Ty now Warwick has always done that with Tyler. Tyler, we have always been, we always say, we end every phone call with I love you. We, you know, we hug, we kiss, we, you know, we're very... I mean, we're not mushy, 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 but Tyler knows we love him. He won't ever have to question that. He knows. We say it. He feels it. And I think that Warwick gets that from his dad now, and I think that's awesome. So, do you kiss every time you leave and return? 
I would say on trips, absolutely. If it's to the store or, you know, I'm going here for the day or whatever. Um, one thing we always do, well, most of the time, and he gets in trouble if he doesn't, is you always tell the other person you're leaving. Like, I'm going to, it is, they know you're not here anymore. And a lot of that is just for the responsibility of the animals that we have here. So it's almost like a passing of the baton, like, okay, I'm leaving. The dogs are in your care. You know, make sure they don't get under the, you know, wheels of anybody, things like that. But it is a thing we do most, about 99% of the time. Um, and then on trips, of course, yes, kiss every time he leaves and returns. If you fight, do you take time apart to think or maybe a night to sleep on it? Or do you fix it right then? Most of the time we fix it right then. There's been one day and it was this year that I actually physically removed myself and went to the beach. I just needed a moment and I took it and we worked through it with the <laughs> with our therapist later that week and, and it was all and it ended up fine. But yeah, Holden and I went to the beach and got some vitamin C. So, but most of the time, yeah, we just, you know, we don't fight very often. We've probably fought more in the last year and a half than we have in the 26 preceding years. So, you know, we're not fighters. Okay, that wraps up the questions. It's probably turned out to be a little bit longer than I anticipated. But, um, you know, when I chat with these people, I will um, try to, you know, consolidate or, you know, streamline the questions if it's getting too long. And, and I want it to be for you guys. So I want to do the right things and I want to get the information so you have it. But I also don't want to be on for two hours. <laughs> so I hope that you like this idea and premise. And I hope that um, you will enjoy the uh, guests that I bring on. Until next time, journey on. Thanks for listening to the Journey On podcast with Warwick Schiller. Warwick has over 650 full-length training videos on his online video library at videos.warwickschiller.com. Be sure to follow Warwick on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram to see his latest training advice and insights.